Welcome to Speak Your Truth, a podcast created to promote self-awareness and unlock your potential, giving you the strength to live your truth. Here we go. So ownership of mistakes, guys. Um, maybe we should lead off by introducing ourselves because I think nobody really knows who we are yet. Was requested. We're kind of, <laughs> we're kind of brand new. Um, I'm Ryan. Last name. Don't forget last name. Oh, Laduc. I guess that's important. I'm uh, Aaron Brinkley. And uh, we're here bringing you Speak Your Truth. The importance of Speak Your Truth is everyone's got something awesome to say. And uh, we need to share it with everyone. If we can't share it with everyone, then it's like it doesn't exist. And you out there have a lot to say too. So we want to give you a platform. So we're putting ourselves out here. And uh, bump our way through, growing changing becoming better and uh, today we're going to talk about ownership of mistakes because a lot of people they try to evade and sidestep mistakes so how do i avoid mistakes honestly my personal opinion you don't if you try to avoid mistakes you're only going to go too slow or you're not going to do anything because everything you do you're going to make mistakes Um, for me parenting is one of those things I have a 12 year old son and I try to tell him all the time I have some answers that I can give him but he doesn't listen so I just continuously tell him so maybe eventually he'll listen. Dad's never right. I know I had the same issue with my dad. After he uh, he passed and the older I got the more I started realizing a lot of the stuff he had to say pretty relevant. Not all of it mm. but most of it. Yeah. I uh I guess there's one part of being a dad that I don't look forward to. Because I'm sure my kid's gonna be as resistant as I was, hard-headed. Which, in the grand scheme of things, is probably gonna be a good thing, but at the same time, like, to deal with that, to deal with a little me, mm-hmm. yikes. Yeah, the, the, my dad always used to say, I hope you have a child just like you were. <laughs> and uh, I, I do. Uh, my son is very hard-headed. Uh, he's a little more intellectual with all of the technology nowadays. It's easy to get information. But the hardest thing to get is wisdom. These kids think they have all the wisdom because they have all the information. But when you have information without wisdom, that's way more chaotic because then you could make all kinds of bad decisions with all that information. But we need to teach the kids that they got to reach out to the people that have been through the things that they're going to go through. Like you said, the information lacks practical application. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of leads back to what we we're talking about as far as like making mistakes. Like I can know how to do something, but until I actually go through and do it and potentially fail at that, like I don't really, it's a difference between, I guess, of like knowing and understanding. You can read something and understand it. But until you do it, you never really know. Yeah. Um, like practice, doing something consistently. I think you were talking about uh, shooting baskets and things like that. Oh yeah, so, a little bit ago. Right, confidence is a big portion of that. And I think that's what the, the main vocal point of that discussion was about. But going through and doing something consistently is what builds that confidence. But through that practice, that that practical application, that's where all those mistakes are actually made. 
and like we're talking about ownership of mistakes it's going through and if you were say shooting baskets and missing those baskets consistently clearly you have to own that you're doing something wrong something needs to change and making those adjustments is going to just propel you forward and make you better but, um, uh, back to ownership of mistakes if you if you own it no one can use it against you let me explain that if you do something wrong and there's someone that you're affecting and after doing that thing that was wrong and you try to blame someone else for it that person that you blame for that problem knowing it wasn't their fault they're actually going to resent you even if you then apologize after the fact once you create that dynamic of I'm going to blame you for something that may or may not be your fault you're going to put yourself in a spot where someone else can use that against you now well it's not only other people but I think circumstances as well or like situations um, I think the biggest portion of growing up is taking responsibility for everything that may not be the actual thing that happened but your reaction to that as well too um, I know I am probably the most guilty person I can think of and I have to catch myself constantly of something happens to me whether it was my control or not understanding that my reaction to that is also part of um, I guess the growth factor or like potentially making a mistake you do something to me it's on me to then take that and and put my perspective on it and how I react to that is is a big portion of I think you mentioned earlier like when you're talking about your son the whole victim mentality mm -hmm. and getting away from that um, a good example for me in general I go and I end up getting in a car wreck and I'm trying to blame all of these outside circumstances when regardless of the situation like I was in control of the vehicle clearly did not control it very well and I'm mad but I'm mad not because of really the wreck itself because clearly it's it's just a thing it can get fixed am I happy about it no but I'm more mad because in my mind I'm talking myself out of taking responsibility for that situation then also taking the responsibility off myself for how I'm reacting to it and letting myself get mad when there's no reason for that and the problem is without taking that responsibility for that that mistake or that problem all I'm doing is sulking in it so what should have been a day process of getting over it getting the car fixed and moving on becomes a week-long vendetta of me being mad blaming other people blaming myself in this vicious cycle of of guilt and prolonging the problem that there's a week of my life that is kind of lost to such a minute minor situation and because of that instead of me just immediately taking ownership and moving forward it makes it easier the next time to do the same thing and I become more of a victim to a scenario instead of controlling it growing from it and getting something out of it like if I don't take ownership of my mistakes I'm never gonna get any better either at the scenario itself or controlling myself and my reaction to that scenario to be more on top of it, to be more in control. Yeah, it's actually a way to minimize loss and maximize gain.
Because if you put yourself in the thought process of it's my fault, you instantly go into solution mode. And guys are really built that way. They're built for solution mode. But if you put your mindset into victim mode, all of a sudden someone else has to go into solution mode because you're the victim. It happened to you. If you take it and own it, it gets put in your pocket, no one can use it against you, and you move on from it. Especially a car accident. I'm glad you brought up a car accident. Because there was a story that I heard, I can't quote exact, but somebody got into a car accident and you know, they ended up being a paraplegic. They were told they would never walk again. They fought back. They actually walked again, not 100%, but they, they, they were able to walk again and they were able to actually live a full life. Now, you can flip that and you can put that in a perspective of if they were a victim, they could have been a paraplegic their whole life. What do you want to do? What is your goal? Do you want to be the paraplegic or do you want to be the one that fights back, owns the mistake, and can move on from it? And there's a lot of power in owning it. Uh, I think Gary Vee talks about it a lot. He says, everything is my fault because if everything is my fault, I can fix it fast and go make some more money. Very simple. But it's one of the hardest things because you think that by it being your fault that you lost credibility. You lost you know, XP points, so to speak. But the flip side on that is people's perspective of you changes when you own it versus when you blame others. You actually gain XP points. You gain that, that credibility with other people when you own it because then other people don't feel like they need to protect themselves from you. And when you don't feel like you need to protect yourself from you by owning it, that just 10x's everything you can do. Because then you don't you don't slow down, you don't stop, you don't feel bad, you don't let that negative emotion stop you from moving forward. It, it kind of goes back to the last show of you know the deciding. You got to decide to own those mistakes. That's why all of these steps are actually going to all kind of meld together. And I'm actually excited for when we start doing interviews because I'm going to start doing those next week. And once we finish with our seven steps, we're going to start having those interviews and going through the process with each of those people so they can speak their truth and other people can hear that and they can use that to stand on those people's shoulders so they can speak their truth as well. I'm really looking forward to real life practical examples of, I mean, all of these things. Because anyone you meet that's successful in, in any realm, these seven steps are really the main basis, that foundation of what has made them successful. And what's cool is to see personal perspective on those those seven steps, how they've used those, how they've worked out for them or worked um, against them by not using them. And that transition in life and, and I guess personal growth through their own situations. And what I find really cool is as we start to talk to more people or just people I've talked to already in life before, the commonalities are eerily similar mm -hmm. and we're all kind of in the same same struggle and the more you can realize that and understand that the easier it is like you said to to make decisions to take ownership and understand that you were stronger than you think you are mm. you were bigger than any problem and if you're not bigger there we're connected to something that's bigger but that's a whole yeah. whole rabbit hole we don't we need to get, go down we can get into that some other time. yeah <laughs> we'll we'll cover that basis eventually i'm sure it'll start to come up as we um meet more people and, and allude to their their scenarios because i'm sure 
that underlying factor is a big portion of um, getting through some of the, the darker, more difficult times or that clarity to give you a better perspective on where you're at and where you're going. But Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned clarity. Um, that's that's kind of what this is designed for. This is to open people's mind up a little bit and realize that kind of like what you were saying about we're all very similar. There's really not a whole lot of differences other than our goals are different and maybe the way that we get to them is a little bit different, but the philosophies and the mindsets and the processes behind them, they kind of all remain the same. And you can look at a lot of highly successful coaches out there, highly successful entrepreneurs out there, and there's always gonna be that common thread of the habits they create, there's gonna be the common thread of their um, the people they're around, the common thread of the struggles they had, we're not that different. And once we start realizing that, that makes us that much more powerful. Strength in numbers. Yeah. To know you're not alone is extremely empowering, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's being vulnerable. I know I struggle with that a lot. Yeah, being vulnerable. Like I'm terrified of water because the best way to be buoyant and to float is not to struggle. And when I'm in a position where I don't feel like I have control or can hold on to anything, to be vulnerable and let go and try to be buoyant and be present and there and just float, it's extremely hard for me. Yeah. It's something I, I, I struggle with that I, I will guarantee you that I will get better at, but it's, it's just a part of that process. Um, me understanding that that's how that whole scenario works is, I think, a big portion of that. But it's still like, I mean, there's a lake literally right over there, and mm -hmm. to think about getting in that and just being in the center of it and and floating, in the back of my mind, I'm already kind of talking myself out of doing it. That whole scenario. <laughs> so, yeah, it's easy to talk yourself out of it. You know, all you need is one. But there's my decision, and there's yeah. me being the victim. Yeah. It's little things, and it, and but the awareness in that, that's where the power is. Understanding that and being aware of it, that's a habit to get into. You have that habit, and every time you have that habit, one day we can use that. Mel Robbins, five, four, three, two, one, do it. I got a buddy who's got a boat, and all he talks about is taking me to Lake Norman, and then throwing me in the, the lake, and then driving that boat away. Either I'm gonna figure it out or I'm gonna die. <laughs> Sounds great in his mind. Yep. Terrifying to me. But it'll probably work to be completely honest because I'm not going to let myself die, that's for sure. That's how I learned how to swim. Well, this isn't that, that's the, the curious part is every time I've put myself in a position where I usually intoxicated one way or another have jumped into an unknown body of water hmm. with nothing else to hold on to, I'm always perfectly fine. But it's the second I'm not I guess back in my own head and I'm thinking about the scenario and that's when I struggle because mm. I've, I've been in pools before or lakes or the ocean and I've gone uh, surfing in Hawaii or scuba diving even and literally like in a position where I would normally be panicking and for whatever reason like everything's okay and it's funny how I've been in those scenarios yet still like to go into a little lake that's probably maybe 10 foot deep and to be in the center of it is like, 
just the thought process it freaks me out. Yeah. But but that's why we're here. Because I'm sure someone feels the same way. Right. I'm just trying to take steps forward and make progress. That, that, that's literally what life is all about. So you got anything else for uh, one of the mistakes? We touched on vulnerability. Uh, we touched on... The initial portion of taking responsibility is super hard. But like anything else, the more you do it, the easier it gets. And I think you mentioned the whole, really the, the limitless amount of power that you'll obtain when you can literally take responsibility for everything. You're now in control of everything. Mm. And that's... I like that. Super deep. And you like that because you like powerful. control. Oh, man. <laughs> it's the only way I think I'm into all this stuff is like I can take that power back. Yeah. Because um, the only thing you can honestly control in life is yourself. But it's amazing what can happen when you actually master that art and that ability to control yourself. Mm. Discipline is a hell of a thing. I know that's something I've I've learned a lot through like diet and exercise and it's 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 not easy and it's a practice you've got to do it every day kind of like like yoga people do yoga I know I'm super guilty of it I'll do it for a month or six months in a row and then I'll stop and you lose all that power all that flexibility all that strength um, it's all about doing those little things those like you mentioned when we were driving here today those habits consistently finding out what things serve you and what don't. Um, I think I was looking at something on the way to meet you this morning and uh, some monk was talking about, we are all masters of distraction. Mm. That we give up all of our power to all of these things. Mm -hmm. Oh, this cell phone was a part of that conversation for sure. Um, give up all of our power, our time and our attention to something that doesn't serve us. And I think one of the things he mentioned is when uh, you break down your day, say you sleep seven or eight hours, you got 16 hours or so left, and most people think, oh, I'm distracted for 10 of those. Some TV time, maybe work, whatever that may be. Um, so you have another six hours to, to do whatever you want. And he said, in reality, 13, 14 of those hours are completely eaten up by distraction. Not to say your, your job needs to be a distraction, but the cell phones, the TV, the social media, I mean, all of this stuff, and none of it serves you. You're lost in this fantasy world. Like if you took those 14 hours of distraction and you spent 14 hours a day, seven days a week to learn how to play the piano, how far you would get in six months. Mm-hmm where most people don't realize if you take even a portion, not even the full 14 hours, and put it towards something productive or self-serving in your life, how much further you would be in one month, two months, six months. It's, you talk about compounding interest. Mm -hmm. It's those little things consistently, like going to the gym every day and just doing something for an hour a year later, how much further you would have progressed in whatever that is you're doing. Um, or whatever it is, running, I mean, I don't know. I always go to something physical based, but yeah. piano is a great option too. Practice the piano every day for an hour and five days a week for an hour, all of this stuff. And like, I want to learn Spanish. 
I need to be doing that consistently for an hour every day or 20 minutes even, little things. Mm -hmm. But start to add those things in and then be consistent with those habits and... Well, they say it takes 10,000 hours to be a master. So what does 9,000 hours look like? What does 5,000 hours look like? What does 1,000 hours look like? Right. It's wherever you want to be. If you're gonna, if you want to be a master at something, you need to put the time in. If you just want to be good at it, put some time. In. You don't have to put, you know, an hour every day, and you can put an hour every weekend. It just takes longer to get to where you want to go. But without the, without that hour, without that 20 minutes, without that 10 minutes, people say a lot. I wish. Well, that boils down to again, owner owning your mistakes. Um, People always make excuses for a lot of the, the simple mistakes they make every single day, like opening up Facebook and being on it for, I think what the average was like three and a half hours, four hours a day, that people find themselves 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, and it accumulates over the course of that day, four hours, four hours buried in social media of some kind. And most people will give you a million excuses on why they can't, that ridiculous word, can't, can't not look at it or can't not be on it or whatever, you know? Yeah. And that is a prime example of not owning that mistake. And it's not a mistake in the sense that that's like the worst thing in the world you could possibly do, but it's a mistake in saying you don't have time when clearly you have time because if running away from reality is a priority, then how can you ever expect reality to get any better? Yeah. Yeah, this... If you can just own it, be like, I know I'm on Facebook too long and this is why I'm not where I am. And, and at least you know, at least you have self-awareness. And once you have the self-awareness, you can start to make changes if you decide to make those changes. And it's... It's a process that will take a long time if you let it. It's also a process that can be fairly quick, depending on the goals you're setting. Because, you know, there's people that want to be millionaires, and that's great. It's going to take a lot of time. Most people give up on that. That's why there's only so many millionaires. But if you say, hey, I need to make an extra $5,000 a year, that's not that hard to accomplish. You create those small habits. Well, I think we should do as we go through this is like weekly challenges. I feel like giving someone something to do for a week is pretty obtainable. Um, one of the people that I um, was mentored by and worked for for a long time, and he's really got some traction now, is uh, Andy Frisilla. And he has this whole thing out right now called 75 Hard, where it's, I think it's five basic things that are super simple that you never really think about, but to do them every single day for 75 days consistently is a huge test of discipline. And most people, and he's completely right about this, will not do it. I've juggled the idea of going through that process myself and I've talked myself out of it multiple times, which to me makes me a bitch. <laughs> like, I, I, for whatever reason, won't commit to it. And I feel like, even especially talking about this now, I have to do it just to, to prove to myself that I can. 
and they don't have that, I think he calls it like the bitch voice or the bitch mentality or whatever. And he's very abrasive in his approach, but he, I mean, he gets in people's heads and I'm all for that. Um, but I think for a lot of people starting a little bit simpler would be a little better to do something for seven days and then to take that momentum that you got from accomplishing that for a week and trying to stack that into two weeks, into three weeks. Mm. And instead of thinking the things as like these big major goals of 75 days, break them down into do it for fucking one day or two days or a week and see how far you can get. And once you do it for a week, push yourself a little, try to go a little further. Instead of doing it for seven days this time, do it for eight days. Um, I think that would be extremely enlightening for people for anything they're trying to do. And just to slide this in real quick, I'm not here to demonize Facebook. It's not the worst thing in the world. I do think it's a masterful piece of mind control that no one's really paying attention to, but people get distracted by other things as well. My girlfriend is overwhelmingly distracted by movies. She will sit there and burn four hours to watch two movies. So she's not on Facebook, but her mind's still gone. And again, nothing against movies. Time and a place. I think we talked about your son. 45 minutes of reading a book. Reading a book's a great thing. But I highly doubt that book is something increasing his mental capacity or value in life. It's a book TV is what it is. Oh, there you go. It's a novel, which is cool. I'm honestly, I'm impressed that he's sitting down to read it and using his imagination more than just seeing someone else's di- dictation of what yeah. that scenario looks like, which is a good thing. But like you said, time and place. Most of us go around and complain about the things that we don't have or the time we don't have to do them when clearly it goes back to, again, some of the other things we've already talked about, like that self-awareness, taking inventory of what your day actually is and being honest with yourself about that. And then slowly implementing these things, taking responsibility for all this stuff it's it's cool how it all kind of comes and this is going to be my tagline for everything but full circle um and understanding that and hopefully like you picking up this message you can harness that power to to make those changes in life and it it's not easy i struggle with this shit every single day like same here i go through phases and seasons in life where i'm on top of it and i'm I'm moving and shaking and making progress and then something will derail me and instead of getting right back on track or forcing my way through the obstacle and and keep on chugging, it it may take me months of sullying around and feeling negative, but knowing what I know will always put me ahead of the game of taking that next step forward and getting back on track and, and picking myself up and starting to move again. Um, was it Sylvester Stallone or I, there's the whole quote about being knocked down seven times and getting back up the eighth like, yeah. that's how winning is done or yeah. something like that yeah. and it's super true like I for myself right now um, I'm going to be 30 at the end of the month and from a physical standpoint I've spent probably the last year overanalyzing the habits that I want to take into being 30 in producing more of a healthy, longevity-focused life and lifestyle, that I'm probably more out of shape now than I was a year ago, 
and it's super depressing and I have been beating myself up about it the past few days but not giving myself the credit that through this past year I may not have acted on all that stuff but now I know what I need to do going into that um, now I just need to stop being a little bitch and start taking some action on it and, and start my own personal challenges to myself of moving forward within that yeah, a lot, a lot of the greats, uh, actually, when you said um, stop being a little bitch and going going harder, it's it reminds me of uh, Joe Montana. He actually, I, I wish I could remember the name of, name of the coach. I just saw a program on it. What Joe Montana told his coach was, coach, coach me hard. And what that means is he's going to want to give up sometimes. He's going he's gonna to want to hold back. But if he's coached hard, it's going to force him to do the hard things. It's going to force him to do that. Because human nature is you want to protect yourself. You want to be in that safe place. You don't want to put yourself in a position that's vulnerable or that, you know, when the coach says, why did you screw up? He's making you own those mistakes. He's making you understand that what you did was wrong, but here's how you fix it. That's what a good coach does. All the coaches that I know I can remember are all the ones that I truly fucking hated while I had them as a coach, but I remember them because they also made me that much better because they would not let me slack on my bullshit. Right. Ever. And I may have been mad or pissed off or felt like a piece of shit, but they were always there to remind me of what I needed to do to excel, but they were also always there to let me know when I did it right. They never let me let myself down. Mm, that's what probably the best does. way to put it. Yeah. And it's it's remarkable to think about my mindset always goes back to like high school football. And football practice was fucking awful. I always dreaded it, especially two days in August. It's hot, it's humid, you don't want to be there. But being in that scenario with the coaches that were going to make you run and push you further and push you harder, it was amazing how in such a short period of time, not only myself, but our entire team would move forward and come together. And it was all because someone was looking over our shoulder, not letting us be a little bitch, getting rid of all those excuses and pushing us forward. And if you didn't want to be a part of that, if you couldn't get through that, you weren't on the team. Um, really develops a lot of heart, which to me, again, the whole full circle factor and the whole being connected to something bigger than us, like a heart is literally everything. If you have the heart to withstand anything, you can have everything. Well, it's, it's like you always say, these aren't exclusive. All these thought processes and, and practices and habits it's what it takes. This has like been transcending time for forever. I've been on this whole kick with like ancient cultures and you talk about different religions and all of this stuff. And it's weird, this underlying message is very, very similar to like these success properties. Now it goes a little bit further in like the whole spiritual based realm, but to me, they're like universal truths. All of this stuff is consistent and it's been consistent forever, whether it's been like written down or defined is a different scenario but it's 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 universal law man it's it just is what it is and understanding that 
it's so beautiful and so powerful and, and so enlightening. The best part about it to me is it's not exclusive. It's a group everyone can be a part of. It's a practice everyone can use. But at the same point, it is exclusive because not everyone is gonna use it because it's hard. So when you put yourself in a position of the minority, you actually place yourself above the average person because you're doing the hard stuff that most people aren't gonna do. Well, also, to that same note, don't let anyone tell you you can't. Because it's, it's weird, the further I get into this, you find a lot of people who figure this stuff out and that are successful. And luckily, lately, it seems like, I guess with the expansion of social media, again, this is one of the good points of it, is people are putting this information out there more readily and no one's there to filter it or stop it. To start to remind people, kind of like us right now in this podcast, of your personal power. And for a long time, I think people have been put in a corner, put in their place, and had limitations placed upon them that should never have been there. And if anyone ever tells you you can't do something, they're full of shit. <laughs> if you want it that bad, you will figure it out. And if you can't figure it out on your own, the heart, the desire to do so will lead you to the people that will help you get you where you want to be. I guess the message for today is document mistakes you've made and kind of see, see what you could have done different or what you did right or what you should do, whatever. Just d document it, write it down, put it on paper, look at it, be aware of it. And go through today and take ownership of everything, whether you did it or not, and watch how by the end of the day today, you were gonna feel so much more powerful and way more in control. Because even if it wasn't something you did, you're taking ownership of how it affects you and how much control you actually have of yourself, your emotions, and then eventually your entire scenario in your life. I'm glad you put it that way because when you own just just like you said when you own something that you didn't do your brain now goes into solution mode for, for everything. Everything. everything and what i've said for years i don't know if i've said it on this podcast but what i've said for years is people should be based on the size problem they can solve so if you go into solution mode and start solving all these problems you watch your net worth go up that's just good. that's just a natural flow of how everything is going to work because you look at the people in the world and look at the size problems they solve and you look at their net income you'll see a common thread so i guess that's it for this episode ownership of mistakes thanks for joining us if this message has moved you in any way all we ask is you take three steps one take action two tell a friend and always speak your truth.